every day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Torrent of letters, emails, tweets, Facebook messages finally reached 10 million. And so it was decided that first draft would have to be would have to debut earlier. Josh, is that right? About 10 million requests? I was thinking 100 million. That could almost get you on to into a Trump-Hillary debate, 10 million. But almost. Instead, we're just going to keep doing a podcast, kicking off a little bit earlier this year. Um, special promotional note here. This is the only podcast today on ESPN that will not mention Ryan Lochte. You just mentioned him, though. I'm just saying. Have you been working on this shtick the whole summer? No, I just walked in here. I had a Diet Coke, though, so, you know, big one. I quit. All right. Still have take fives, though. Yeah, take fives. Um, Mel Kuyper is on. Todd McShay is on. Special guest, national college football insider for ESPN, Trav Haney. Can I get Trav, kind of the, the chill version? Travis. That's the, the podcast version. Okay, the, the pod back. version. Uh, wanted to hit a few things today. You know, we want to talk a lot of college football. Don't just don't just be about the prospects because it's early. It's a long. The draft is a long way off. We want to talk a little bit of college football. Trav has a really popular column this week on ESPN.com with the top fifty breakout players in college football. These are the guys you don't know well, but you're going to know them really well, perhaps by the end of September or October. Run through those real quick, get some thoughts from Mel and Todd. We were going to hit some of the top prospects in college football and then a quick look at the uh, most loaded team. So a lot of college football talk with uh, the three experts and the one host on this show. Trav, kick us off here and run through, say, just just list off the top 10 guys, or t- 10 through 6, and I want to hear if Todd and Mel have any thoughts on these. We'll count them down, the top 10 breakout players in college football. Okay, and if one of you guys wants to stop and talk about one of these as we go, just holler. But number 10, a name that you guys are going to know, at least the surname, it's T.J. Watt, the Wisconsin linebacker, 6'5", 244, redshirt sophomore, didn't have a big role last year, just eight tackles, but they're expecting a whole lot more out of him, obviously trying to live up to his big brother's name, uh, certainly in Wisconsin, if not in the NFL. Number nine is Rashawn Gary, the freshman who was the number one overall prospect in the 2016 recruiting class. He wound up in Michigan. They think he can be a superstar. As a freshman, I had a coach tell me that he could be the, quote, Leonard Fournette of this class in terms of impact as a freshman. Number eight, L.J. Scott's the running back of Michigan State. The coaches there, East Lansing, say, got a little levy on Bell to him, so they want to use him more as a sophomore, make him the feature back after he went for 700 yards and 11 touchdowns last year. Number seven, probably the, the freshman du jour that everybody's going to know, certainly on offense, Georgia quarterback Jacob Eason, 6'5", out of Washington, have to figure out exactly when he's going to play, how early he's going to play. I'm inclined to believe, based on the people I've talked to, that Grayson Lambert, the veteran, is going to start the opener against UNC. But I would expect to see Eason in that game. He's probably going to be the starter by the end of September. I did a little tandem for five and six. Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris are the two Alabama running backs replacing Derrick Henry and Kenyon Drake. 
didn't play a whole lot last year, so as sophomores, they're really getting thrown into it. And if you go back through the entire time that Nick Saban's been there, there's always been a progression plan where there was a running back kind of already getting a bunch of work, a bunch of carries. That's not really the case this year. I think they had about 250 combined yards last year, so totally new faces in the Alabama backfield. But you got to feel good about it based on the talent around him. Number four, Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback at UNC. He probably could have been the starter last year if not for Marquise Williams being around uh, for so long, just a veteran presence. But Trubisky came in against Delaware last year and almost had a perfect day through four touchdowns. They think he's going to be a superstar in that league, which is really evolving in terms of quarterbacks. Put a pin in that for a second. Number three is Sam Hubbard, the defensive end from Ohio State, filling right in for Joey Bosa is the, the feeling around that program that he can be the next big pass rusher for Ohio State. Number two, Arden Key, a really interesting prospect, uh, a guy who's kind of an edge rusher that they're going to move to linebacker, kind of a hybrid position in Dave Aranda's new 3-4 defense. Uh, six and a half sacks as a freshman. I think the interesting thing for you all's purposes, at least for the 2018 draft, is can he put on weight? That was an issue with him. 6'6", 238, uh, probably not going to be able to play every down up front at that at that size, but uh, a lot of prospects for him this year uh, playing that linebacker position. And number one, I, I think this is the most intriguing guy in college football. Maybe this is a good place to throw it back to you guys. Lamar Jackson, the quarterback at Louisville, played a lot as a freshman last year, came on late as a runner, leaving some questions whether he could become more of a passer and a complete player at quarterback. Well, he had eight touchdowns in the spring game, including seven in the first half. I know it's a spring game, but it's still eight touchdowns. And I've had coaches in other leagues text me after watching film with Jackson and say, this guy is going to be an absolute star in 2016. Loaded list, Travis. Great um, list, Travis. Remember, Mel, Archie Manning was texting us over the summer asking about quarterbacks to invite to the Manning camp, and he was was one of them that he kind of shot back after at least some of the suggestions I gave, and then he double-checked on on Jackson just because – he had heard so much about him and knew he had so much talent to work with. So I watched a little bit of tape on him just to get a feel. And he's raw, but, man, he is gifted. I, I completely agree. I think Louisville is one of the underrated teams in the country going into the into this season just because of the talent they have and because of Jackson at that position. And the thing is, too, I think you look at that schedule, there's going to be two great opportunities for him. Florida State September 17th at home at Clemson mm-hmm. October 1st. So really, before we get into really October, because that game's October 1st, they got an open date October 8th. So before we get into the middle of October, we'll know a lot about Lamar Jackson. He could be maybe a Heisman candidate by that time or be out of the mix entirely if you struggle against those two elite teams. So uh, with Florida State and Clemson early, uh, we'll know all we need to know about Jackson and this Louisville Cardinal team for 2016. Trav, I'm really think... interested. Oh, go ahead, Todd. No, no, go ahead, please. I- I'm really interested to hear how Michigan felt about, you know, a guy like Rashawn Gary being on a list like this. Just, you know, I'm I'm thinking about Harbaugh, and it's like, do you want to pump up that freshman so much? That was a really senior-laden team last year. But as you said, if a guy comes in, he's he's ready to go. We've seen it in recent years physically with guys like Clowney, as you mentioned, Fournette. Is Gary, you know, is, is he really in that class? Do you expect to see him right away? 50, 60 snaps? I think so. And one thing that I really think helps him is it, it's still a really veteran defense. If you look at the defensive line, and these are, are probably going to be prospects that that you're going to talk about, Mel and Todd, coming in the next few months. I mean, Taco Charlton, Maurice Hurst, 
and Chris Wormley have been around that program for a long time. And there's a sense that Gary can fit right in because he doesn't have to be the guy and he doesn't have to be a focal point uh, for opposing offenses. So I, I think he can slide right in. I don't know about 50 or 60 snaps right away just because they do have that depth there, especially defensive tackle. But I think he sounds – the people in camp are just raving about him. He sounds like the sort of player that you can't keep off the field. And I would look at that defense. Uh, the defense, as you mentioned, Travis, and Todd scouted a lot of these guys uh, in the secondary as well with a guy like Peppers, Jabril Peppers, who you can move around and, and keep offenses guessing as to where he'll be. And then Jordan Lewis, an outstanding veteran corner who opted to go back to, to uh, Ann Arbor for a senior year, which surprised some people. So when you have that kind of talent level on defense, and then you throw in a Gary, who is the elite freshman, uh, whether offense, defense, he is the best player overall coming out of high school. If O'Corn or whatever the quarterback is, but Sean O'Corn, former Houston Cougar, they're going to have a great opportunity because there's skill talent on offense. Jake Butt is a great young uh, tight end who's going to be a high NFL draft choice. So uh, the Michigan Wolverines and, and Jim Harbaugh are getting a lot of hype and publicity. The talent's there. The coaching's there. If the quarterback comes through, uh, they're going to have one whale of a season. You know, we did 150 evaluations in the preseason, guys, and, and so basically working off of what we thought projected would be the top 150 players going into this year. And, then, and at the end, I always like to go and just kind of ex- sort the Excel document and look at which teams have the most talent in that top 150. Usually Alabama's up there. FSU's been up there in previous years. This year, Alabama's, again, with nine in the top 150. LSU has nine. And then Michigan's the other team with nine. And the next best is Clemson with seven. So it's amazing to see. And these aren't players that, that Harbaugh recruited either. You know, they obviously had a great recruiting class last year, but – it's amazing to see all the talent that is existing, the veteran talent at Michigan right now, you know, stacking up. When you think about how far it had fallen off in previous years to where it is now up there with Alabama and LSU in terms of veteran talent, you mentioned Peppers and Lewis on the defensive side, Wormley and Charlton as well. Those are four of the, the top five, uh, six prospects for Michigan. Also, Jake Butt, you mentioned, I have a second-round grade on him. Jayu Chesson at wide receiver, have a second, third-round grade on him. And the offensive tackle, Mason Cole, who's an underclassman, moving inside the center this year, which I think is going to be a good move for him. And Kyle Kalis at guard, and then Davion Smith at running back, I think is a day three prospect as well. So that, those are the nine guys from Michigan right now heading into the year that have a really good chance to get drafted. Trav, a couple more questions on this list. One, is there a player in the top ten or even beyond that when who – you know, for the purposes of, of, of this podcast that you kept hearing NFL about, whether it was just, you know, some of these guys you know are going to break out statistically. A, a guy like L.J. Scott's going to get those carries now that have been going to someplace else. And we don't know exactly where this is going to stand with NFL, but where are the players, you know, aside from, a, you know, a freak like a guy like Gary um, that you kept hearing, like, this, this is a Sunday player? Yep. I think there's. I've got one for 17 and one for 18. Uh, the 17 guy, he, you haven't even seen him really on the field at this point, is Noah Brown, the receiver at Ohio State. Highly recruited guy, broke his leg last year, couldn't play. But Urban Meyer hinted that he and, and Michael Thomas really would have been even if Brown had stayed healthy. So Brown, I think, is 6'1", 6'2", another vertical threat down the field guy for JT Barrett this year. I think he's going to have a huge season. And, and kind of do what the previous two guys have done before him, Michael Thomas and Devin Smith, and, and go really early. That would be my 17 guy. I think I have him listed at number 23 
in the countdown. And then the 2018 guy I would add is Devontae Davis. I'm hearing a lot of really big things about him during camp at Texas. He's a cornerback. I think he's 6'1", 6'2", so a rangy guy. Had to play as a freshman like a bunch of those guys did for the Longhorns last year. Charlie Strong had to plug in, I think, about six or seven true freshmen, including Davis. I think he's going to have a huge season and going to be a guy that really, even if he came out this year, if he could, that he would be a pretty high prospect. So I think 2018, you look for a guy like him. Travis and Noah Brown, and Todd sees the Buckeyes more than anybody. Noah Brown's a third-year sophomore who was 244 pounds a few years ago. Now he's about 228, I believe. He only has one career reception, but he had that broken leg in fall camp last year. There was big things expected from him. Now with Michael Thomas now doing a great job with the Saints, now you have the heir apparent, number 80, Noah Brown. Catches everything, good route runner, has that big body. Much will be expected of Noah Brown this year. It's a great call. I mean, he's a key entity uh, on that Ohio State offense. It's surprising to hear, I shouldn't say surprising, but I would. I didn't expect to get the excitement out of Urban Meyer that I got when talking to him at the spring game about his team next year. You know, obviously he was upset to, it's tough to lose all the talent that he lost to this year's draft and all the underclassmen that wound up leaving early, but he he believes in this young team and I think he's kind of re-energized by the the possibilities of developing all of these young players a little bit like two years ago uh, when, when they won the national championship with a team that everyone kind of thought was maybe a year away. So you've got yep. JT Barrett, you've got Noah Brown coming back. Then defensive side, you mentioned Hubbard was in your top ten of breakout players. There are times I honestly thought he was Bosa. I had to you know run the playback because I, I you know I just wasn't looking at the number and he was coming off that left side and he looks an awful lot like him. So um, with him and Tyquan Lewis at defensive end, Raekwon McMillan at linebacker. I mean, for all the guys they lost, there's still a bunch of talent in Ohio State. I'm, I'm just excited to see Michigan, Ohio State. You know, can Michigan handle the success and all the accolades and all the hype? And Ohio State, they're they just kind of lurking around with all this talent and come out with an edge and, and, and play at a very high level this year. It's going to be interesting to see how that kind of progresses throughout the season with those two programs. And one last thing on Ohio State, seven of those true freshmen were there in the spring, and guys like Austin Mack, a wide receiver, Jordan Fuller, a defensive back, Michael Jordan, the offensive lineman, Nick Bosa coming off the injury. They're taking it slow with him, but seven of those freshmen there in the spring is a big help, and three or four or five of those guys uh, could play significant roles right away. Hey, one more question for Trav, just because it, it piqued my interest a little bit. You know, it sounds like Texas, you know, Todd and Mel can speak to the major NFL draft void has been the Texas Longhorns over the last few years. But it sounds a little like Texas, the way they're talking about their young talent is kind of the way we were talking about some of the young talent that Michigan might have under Harbaugh a couple years ago. Are they trending that way under Charlie? Do they feel like it's coming that way? Yeah, I would say, I mean, you can throw Tennessee in that mix too, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, no no draft picks the last two years, and now I would have Tennessee in the top ten in terms of talented players, uh, draft-eligible players for 2017. So I, I think both of those schools, the way that they've recruited, it's finally cycling back the other way, especially on defense for Texas, not only Davis. Um, Malik Jefferson is going to be a superstar in that league probably this year as a sophomore. Everybody's watching the offensive side of the ball. I don't think there's any question about it. They've got two young running backs, Deontay Foreman and uh, Chris Warren the third, who I think are both about 6'2", 240. I mean, they're bowling balls that they can use in that offense with Sterling Gilbert, the first-year coordinator, coming over, trying to run a wide-open air raid, not air raid, but wide-open spread type offense. 
that's, I think, leaning on the backs. I mean, it, it's the Baylor offense at heart. It's our Browse's offense at heart. So he leaned hard on his running backs at Baylor, and I expect him to do the same. So I, I think if they can get that offensive side going, they're only going to continue the recruiting train that has started in the last year or so. But, yeah, I would say the talent has cycled back over for both Tennessee and Texas. What are you hearing on the uh, on the quarterback situation at, at Texas? Obviously, they recently had Gerard Hurd move from quarterback to receiver, so that leaves Tyrone Swoops and Shane Bouchel, right, the freshman? Yeah, and I think what's going to happen, you're seeing it more and more, is coaches are just not going to make a decision before Labor Day. They're just going to play two quarterbacks. So I, my expectation there is Tyrone Swoops is going to play because he's not going to throw Shane Bouchel to the Wolves against Notre Dame in the opener and they're going to ease Bouchel in. Same thing at Georgia. They're going to ease Jacob Eason in. Even Notre Dame, with two similar experienced quarterbacks, they're going to play both. So I think a lot of coaches are content to try and ease guys, especially if they're young, to ease guys in. I mean, heck, Deshaun Watson didn't even start his first game as a freshman. They had Cole Stout start that game at Georgia. There's a certain comfort level that coaches do not have with freshman quarterbacks. So, guys, we need to take a quick break, and then we are going to jump into a few questions on some of the top prospects in the country, the guys you expect to be on the draft next year uh, at at a Heisman ceremony, and, and some big question marks around them. After the break, we'll jump into that. But first, a word from MeUndies. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear. But instead of making a statement, like Superman's tights under his everyday clothes, your underwear is probably boring. Mine is. MeUndies is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies is made from sustainably sourced Mo Dale, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Twice. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. All caps. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free. No questions asked. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement. Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada, and you can save up to 8 bucks a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. How do you get that? Well, get the subscription or a single pair, and you get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash draft. Draft, like first draft. You get it? That's MeUndies.com slash draft. You get 20% off your first order, MeUndies.com slash draft. We talked about some breakout players. Guys, I wanted to talk about some names a lot of people know and just get the you know the, the 5,000-mile-out view from here to April on some of the things we're going to learn. Todd McShay has a big list of top NFL prospects across every position this week and next week, and Kuyper's going to be throwing his names in. Todd, I wanted to start with you. Deshaun Watson was your number one ranked quarterback. A lot of talk already, of course. He's getting that label as a possible 1-1. How far of the lead is he? I mean, it seems like you have some guys in the neighborhood. Yeah, I, there's so much to like about Deshaun Watson. He has, I'd say, adequate size. Not good, but adequate size. Great athlete. He's a gamer. Strong arm. Accurate short throws, really accurate on the deep ball, and throws a lot of deep balls comparatively. Does not throw a lot of intermediate throws, you know, between 10, 25 yards. So there's an adjustment he's going to need to make there. Needs to be more consistent with his footwork. He makes some brilliant passes and and hits 
receivers in tight spots, but then there's some times where he's, he's just off target on throws that he really you know, needs to be more consistent with. So that's the area he can improve. I, I wouldn't rank him up there with top quarterback prospects from years past, certainly not Andrew Luck, uh, not Jameis Winston, but I do think he has room to improve. Now, Brad Kaya from Miami is really intriguing. He does not have a big arm, but he's a little bit taller and bigger. He is he's not a great athlete, but he moves well in the pocket. And I think he has the fastest eyes and, and reads things the quickest and, and has the, the best quarterback IQ of, of all the quarterbacks in this class. So those are the two that stood out to me. I gave them both kind of late first, early second round grades. We know those will get bumped up. C.J. Beathard and Luke Falk, Beathard from Iowa and Falk from Washington State, are two players that when I started watching the tape, I was surprised with both of them. They were a lot better than I expected. Falk is not just a system guy in Mike Leach's uh, Washington State spread pass-friendly type of offensive system. He actually can play in the NFL, whether it's as a backup or maybe a starter one day, but he has that kind of ability. And C.J. Beathard has a big-time arm. Bobby Beathard, the old GML, you're well aware of him, Chargers, Redskins, etc., um, he, so he's been around football his whole life. He gets it. He's a leader. He's tough. He improved throughout the season last year, and I'm expecting him to take a, a kind of another step in the right direction this year and, and could wind up in that mix in the top three to five quarterbacks in, in next April's draft. Who else excites you, Mel? Well, I'll tell you what, a, a kid, we talked about Texas. Uh, September 17th, Texas is at Cal. And Davis Webb, Texas Tech, now at Cal. Uh, Trav knows he, I he love him. me to it. He's the guy. Jared Goff's number one pick overall. Here's the heir apparent. You talk about pressure on a quarterback. Coming in at 6'5", about 230 pounds, We're wearing number seven, John Elway's old number. Uh, it was one of my all-time favorites. Got the number one, a number one, or number two. Put him in the top ten. True freshman receivers coming in overall uh, in terms of any player, any position. Demetrius Robertson, super fast. He could be an impact freshman coming in. Jake Spavital, new coordinator. So new quarterback, new coordinator, new receivers. But the offensive line's a veteran group. The running backs are strong. This is a kid, Webb, who will make plays or try to make plays down the field. He'll try to force it into tight coverage. He'll take chances. He's a gunslinger. Will that result in interceptions? With that terrible defense, short fields uh, could allow some games to get away from you early. So it'll be interesting to see about uh, you know how precise, how accurate, uh, whether he stays away from costly mistakes. That'll be Davis Webb. And the other kid uh, is you know, Mason Rudolph. We'll talk a lot about Oklahoma State. they got a lot of talent. Mason Rudolph, 12-3 and three as a starter, seven wins on the road, some come-from-behind wins. Last year he had uh, you know, 40 completions of at least 20 yards down the field or more. It tied Jared Goff from Power 5 conferences. Of those 40 completions, 13 touchdowns, only two picks. And James Washington, Todd and Travis, if he's not the best receiver in college football, he's certainly in the top three to five. Junior wide receiver. He had four catches of 70 yards or more, led the nation last year. Oklahoma State, that pass-catch tandem of Mason Rudolph to James Washington going to be exciting to watch no you beat me to davis webb i've spent a lot of time around him he's a sharp kid i think he got thrown in too early at texas tech and then felt like he had to press and really just kind of lost his way and then he lost his job to pat mahomes and, and that's the guy i want to throw out to both of you is i think pat mahomes at mm-hmm. 6 3 230 he can move a little bit he threw way too many interceptions last year made too many mistakes but the thing that texas tech has been missing is a big tall strong outside threat they think they've got one in Derek Williams, the number one JUCO prospect that came in uh, in January. They think that that tandem, Cliff Kingsbury, brace yourselves. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury told me he thinks Mahomes can throw for six thousand yards this fall. Cheers. And way to, way to uh, 
tamp down expectations there. Guys, <laughs> it's going to be a, con- a conversation all year. Leonard Fournette already a little nicked up in camp. I have a question here. You can be amazing. I don't care if you do if you do handstands at the uh, at the NFL Combine doing backflips for your forty. If you have another three hundred carries, does that factor into your evaluation, Todd? I mean, let it go because he, he's such a great prospect. But he had three hundred carries last year. I just see mileage. Yeah, there's a lot of, of mileage, and it'll be interesting to see how they've managed that this year. But ultimately, Les Miles is is in Baton Rouge to win games for LSU and, and not to, as much as he wants Fournette to go on and have a great NFL career and make all the money in the world, his job is to win. And so it's going to be interesting to tightrope this year to watch because 513 total touches in 25 games in the first two seasons. So that is a lot. And... It, Right now, he's a little bit dinged up in, in camp, had the ankle injury. It sounds like they're going to you know, put him on the shelf until the Wisconsin game or maybe a couple days before, depending on how he's feeling. But it'll, it'll be interesting to watch that. Teams are, are wary of it, and running back's already a position that, that you, you struggle to use a top-10 pick. But we've seen the last two years, we've seen two guys go in the top-10. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott last year, obviously, uh, going number, what was it, four overall to the Dallas yep. Cowboys. So, um, anyway... With, I think the running back class, though, as a whole, and Fournette's as good as anyone I've ever evaluated, to be totally honest with you, the running back position. Adrian Peterson's probably you know, the only guy that is right there, maybe a little bit better than, than what I've seen out of Fournette, just in terms of natural talent. Then after that, you've got Dalvin Cook, who had 19 touchdowns and, and uh, over 1,600 yards last year, despite having the, the hamstring or the lower body injuries, as they call it. Christian McCaffrey set the... Was it the NCAA all-purpose record um, last year with his running and catching and return ability? He's unbelievably dynamic, and I think he's underrated, and I think he's going to be a first-round pick when he comes out. Nick Chubb's coming back from that injury. Um, he had a streak of 13 consecutive games where he eclipsed uh, the 100-yard rushing mark prior to that season-ending left knee injury. And then you've also got guys like Samaj P. Ryan from Oklahoma, who over 3,000 yards and 37 touchdowns in the past two years. Wayne Gallman, who was huge for Clemson in their run to that national championship game. And then James Conner coming back for Pittsburgh from the uh, what was it, Hodgkin lymphoma that he, that he had in December. An unbelievable recovery, and now they're saying that he's going to be back on the field and playing this year, so he's another guy to watch. So you're talking about six, seven guys right there that could all wind up in the first three rounds of this year's draft. Yeah, Jalen Hurd at Tennessee, Royce Freeman at Oregon. There is a lot of great backs in college football. Everybody talks about seven-on-seven football and pass-happy college and NFL, but there are some elite running backs throughout the college ranks. Anyone else you want to throw in, Trav? Todd, did you say Dalvin Cook? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did. Yep. Okay, just making sure he was cut. He's a guy who just gets lost. I mean, he had he does. a higher yards per carry average than Fournette or McCaffrey last year. Just missed a couple of games, or he would have been in New York as well. That I mean, that's a name I'm drawn to just because we, we talk about so many running backs in the Heisman conversation, and he always seems to get lost. So if he can stay on the field, obviously a lot of talent around him at Florida State. I mean, that's that's the sort of guy that gets a little bit lost. A couple other kids that nobody's going to talk much about with all the underclassmen running back. So that's all this group is, is underclassmen. But from the senior mm-hmm. class, Donnell Pumphrey at San Diego State's had a whale of a career. For his size to be able to put up the numbers he has, remarkable. And Elijah McGuire at Louisiana Lafayette's another good one. Real Jeremy up. McNichols at Boise. Yep. 
former wide receiver, high school wide receiver, is a, a, a key entity with Rippon. Uh, they have weapons. Perfect. they got a lot of guys, Boise State does, on the offensive side that can make plays. The most important thing to know about running backs, Todd, is that Mel Kuyper, as a GM, would never take one in the first round. <laughs> that transitions us to wide receiver. And I just have one other. Just one, a couple. Fire these off real quick, guys. Juju Smith-Schuster, am I crazy if he gives off a little of that Des Bryant vibe? Strong, powerful, competitive. Um, who else Who else do you really like from the wide receivers? Todd, you can kick us off. Yeah, Juju is the number one guy in the in the preseason. Uh, he's not – I get the Des Bryant because he's not going to run a, a huge 40. He it's does not vibe. have great vertical yeah. speed. But he, he's, he is a physical player. He can continue to improve as a route runner, but he does find a way to separate, and, and he's just – he's strong. Um, I mentioned him before, Jayu Chesson from Michigan. I liked him a lot more than I thought going into to the tape study, and I think he has a chance to have a big year this year. Ricky Seals-Jones is another one from Texas A&M. Uh, Malachi Dupree and Traven Duvall from LSU. I mean, if if Harris can can make a step in the right direction this year, they are loaded on the offensive side everywhere else. Those receivers can get down the field. They can make plays. They've just got to get some quarterback play uh, in LSU. Mike Williams gave him a second-round grade last year going into the season. He had that neck injury early. I think it was the first game of the year. But the Clemson receiver, he's he's a big-time weapon, Six, uh, just about 6'2", 221 pounds, and, and he can fly vertically. So he's going to be fun to watch. And then some other guys like Travis Rudolph from Florida State, Mac Hollins from North Carolina, um, Katie Cannon from Baylor, all kind of the, the second, third, fourth-round type of range. And don't sleep on a Mid-American Conference. Uh, Corey Davis at Western Michigan. Good That's player. my turf now. Yeah, Cooper Cup out at Eastern Washington. Craig Cup is his father quarterback. Uh, came out, was drafted by the New York Giants years ago before McShay was even born probably. But good one. Charles <laughs> Nelson. I think Oregon's going to be underrated. Charles Nelson is a dynamic player. Just to go back to running backs. One guy, and Travis, I know he's on your list. Todd, you'll be scouting this guy because he's going to be, if he can stay healthy, a big-time running back at Indiana. Camion Patrick is a fourth-year junior, wear number six. They hope he's ready for the Michigan State game October 1st. They hope to be 3-0 and at that point for that game in Bloomington. He's at East Mississippi Junior College. He was out last year uh, because of academics. And this year in April, uh, he gets hurt. Uh, ACL injury. They're figuring with his speedy recovery, they think he can be the best player on this Indiana football team. Dan Feeney is a great uh, a senior guard. He'll be mm-hmm. probably a first or second round pick. This is a 6'2", 228-pound running back, Camion Patrick, who probably will be back sometime in October. Watch out for him with the Indiana Hoosiers. Guys, Todd, Todd, Todd has got a run. Todd, thanks for hopping on. Great talking to you guys. It's been, been too long. Still here with Mel Kuyper. And Trav Haney, Travis in real life, Trav for the podcast zone. Guys, we've talked about breakout players. We've talked about some of the the top names to know, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I really would just want to hit, you know, the most loaded teams. And I like this because it's just great overlap with who the best teams are. I'm going to kick us off. I play some decent football down in the SEC. Is it really a battle between LSU and Bama for most loaded team in the country right now? Trav, what do you think? There's no question. I mean, it's, it's just a, a product and factor of how they've recruited. I mean, there's, there's no way around it that Alabama could lose what it has in the last year and still be where it is in terms of talent. And I still can't figure out how Jonathan Allen, how do they get those guys to stay? Jonathan Allen, Tim Williams, OJ Howard, what was left for them to come back for, you know? And 
immensely talented group in the 2018 group too, Mel. I mean, the two corners are going to be on your board. Calvin Ridley, obviously someone that we focus on. And they say Bo Scarborough in his first year starting probably, they say that he could be better than Derrick Henry. So, I mean, that's that's the type of talent that we're talking about at Alabama. They are both loaded. I think the concern I would have with Alabama, keep in mind that game is November 5th at LSU. Alabama at LSU, both teams off by. So they both have a week to get ready, a week off prior to that game, both Alabama and LSU. But two things for Alabama, Travis and Chris. Quarterback, Cooper Bateman. Blake Barnett and Jalen Hurts, the freshman, all three kind of in a dead heat with Cornwell kind of right now, you know, fourth. But those three vying for the starting quarterback job. It's interesting to see who opens up as the starting quarterback. And then the cornerback position, Travis. You thought depth was going to be no problem. Now issues in terms of after Marlon Humphrey and Minka Fitzpatrick, who is the third corner, the fourth corner? It's always been a strength for Nick Saban in that defense. This year is a major concern going in. You know, it's interesting, LSU on the flip side of this, they they have been absolutely gutted by the draft, at, you know, at the top levels. And I don't mean seniors, I mean juniors. It was incredible two years ago. Hey, when, you're, when you have a punter leave early, you're getting hit by the draft. That's LSU in a nutshell. You know, but it kind of, you guys can speak to this really well because it actually, it just keeps spinning the wheel because what happens is you're playing freshmen, they're highly touted, they're physically ready to play. By the time those guys have finished their sophomore season, Mel and I talk about this all the time, you see players, they've played in 28 games. They've played in 20 SEC games. By the time the end of your junior year, you look at a guy like Joey Bosa, guys played well over 40 football games at the college football level, so I just think that wheel's going to keep on turning. It's it's a really a challenge for some of these top programs to stay consistent when you don't just it's just not it's no longer nice to have some of these freshmen. It's necessary to have some physically ready freshmen to play. And this is SEC football. It's tough. Mel, how do you size up LSU? First of all, you know Travis mentioned Alabama, how fortunate they were to get some of those kids to return for their final year and not go into the NFL draft. Well, you mentioned LSU, Chris. They were fortunate, too. They could have lost a Tredavious White, the, the yep. corner. They could have lost a Kendall Beth Beckwith, a linebacker, even a Lewis Neal defensive end. Uh, Ethan Posick, a veteran offensive lineman center, has moved around a variety of positions. He's the anchor. So uh, they were fortunate, and their concern is, too, is the quarterback position going to be the, the strength? Is it going to be something that at least be decent to good, average? Uh, how's it going to shake down a quarterback for LSU. We talked about the uncertainty of who's going to be the starting quarterback with Alabama. Travis, do you expect improvement from the Bayou Bengal quarterback this year? That's what everyone wants to know. You know, and he's been around long enough. I remember talking to Tom Luganville whenever he got there, and he said that Harris had as much arm talent as anybody he'd seen in some of those Elite 11 camps and, and summer camps. So there's something there. It's just a matter of Cam Cameron getting it out of him. And I've talked to a few NFL scouts actually about Dupree, and they think he's an immensely talented guy who just has not really gotten much of a chance because of the quarterback play, that he's maybe a first-round type talent that you just haven't been able to see it because of the way that Harris has kind of underperformed and been inconsistent. So I don't know. I know it would take a lot of pressure off of Leonard Fournette if he could even advance a little bit, but he's a third-year guy. I mean, if you're not going to do it by now, uh, it's almost mystifying that LSU hasn't found someone else who could. And they've tried a Purdue transfer. I don't know that that's going to be a, an ultimate solution. I think they're just really pushing their chips in on Harris and hoping that a third year 
he can finally find his way. Yeah, just to, to, to clear up, Malachi Dupree, you're right, Travis. He's the number two underclassman receiver on my list and my board behind Juju Smith-Schuster from USC, then Malachi Dupree at LSU, then Darren Carrington at Oregon. So those are your top three underclassman receivers, all draft eligible. You know, one interesting thing I'll just throw in here before he hits some other teams is that with these programs, because you see these flashes from these freshmen, there's a lot of times where guys become prospects before they become players. And a case in point here is a guy like Tim Williams. We were talking, uh, Mel, we talked back in January. I don't know. I think this guy maybe needs to come out. And then you look and you realize he played 20% of their snaps. But when he was in there, pass rushing situations, those prospect situations, those perfect chances to flash, he's not getting beat up in the run game. So it's going to be really interesting because for both of these programs, we talk about guys that flash big time as freshmen and sophomores because they're put in situations where they can succeed, and then it's time to pile up the reps, and you don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, I mean, you talk about a guy that's unblockable. That's Tim Williams. I don't know how you handle him. you got Jonathan Allen. you got the interior presence they have. The linebackers fly to the football. you got Ryan Anderson coming off the edge as well. I mean, if they can just, like I say, find some depth at cornerback, uh, they will be an awesome defensive football team. And that, that pass rush is going to mask an issue in the secondary. Some guys get open late. Doesn't matter if your quarterback's running for his life or he's on the ground. So that defensive line, that front seven overall, uh, fosters a great linebacker. I think he He's a more athletic, faster Reggie Ragland. So uh, they are loaded in the front seven, and they're secondary strong if they can just keep their core group healthy. Depth, as I said, is a big concern at cornerback. You want that third, fourth corner to be better than what they have on paper. We'll see if that uh, you know is something that really materializes as an issue with the Crimson Tide defense as we move along this year. A few more teams I'm going to throw out there, Trav. Mel, feel free to add some. Clemson, they're cruting like they're in the SEC you know, it's, it really says a lot for where they are, where they go to a national championship, they lose some players, and uh, you look, and there's just a ton left there. Florida State's got it stacked up. Uh, the recruiting, they've been, they've been right there with Bama, 1-2, depending on which list you're looking at. It's, it's really starting to pack up on their depth chart. And it's great to see them back in there, had some guys stay that helped out. USC is right there, I think, in terms of NFL-type talent. They bring back the entire offensive line. I think the really interesting thing with USC is they have a ton of talent in terms of NFL interest, and we're not even really talking about the quarterback situation yet. You know, we know, you know, we know Max Brown, but we haven't seen a lot of them, and we know there's challenges to him, but we haven't seen a lot of those guys. USC, usually when you're talking about a ton of NFL talent. One of those guys is the quarterback. That's not even the case. Who else should we be talking about, though, Traff? Well, I want to go back to Clemson because I, I was laughing when Todd brought up Mike Williams. Sproul, you've been on me about Mike Williams for, what, two years? The very first game I saw him play, <laughs> I think I emailed or texted you, and I said... You are all over it. And I said, watch the way he catches the ball. Mel, here's the funny one because you get this all the time. Trav goes and talks to all the coaches... Mike Williams, eh, eh, I don't know. They're like, it's the classic, keep them off your boards. Don't talk about him. Kind of stuff. And, Mel, you deal with it all summer. Uh, But, yeah, Trav, yeah, Mike Williams, he's he's a player. But it's funny you say it like that because I just talked to a friend who's close to that Clemson program this week. And the coaches right now are kind of laughing to themselves because no one is talking about Mike Williams. The offense is so good across the board with obviously the quarterback and Wayne Gallman and the other receivers that have developed around 
uh, Mike Williams when he was out last year with the neck injury that they think he's going to have a monster season and could really elevate his his status in stock in terms of what happens next spring. So I, I think that at that size, really, he just needs to prove that he's healthy coming back from that neck injury. But in that offense, they, they think he's going to be absolutely electric. And one thing we mentioned, I think, Travis, the great scheduling for these teams. They do it purposely, obviously. You think about the LSU-Alabama game. Both teams off prior to that game. Same thing with Clemson, Florida State. Both teams off prior to that uh, showdown, October 29th, Clemson at Florida State down in Tallahassee. And uh, you mentioned USC. I think the defense, it's kind of a no-name defense outside of Adoree Jackson who plays on both sides. So to me, USC's defense, will that be good enough to be an elite team? Uh, Clemson, uh, you look at the talent across the board. I mean, they are phenomenal. And uh, you know, Deshaun Watson, we'll see if anybody learns what Nick Saban couldn't do uh, in that national championship game to contain him. Other Defensive coordinator has been studying all year. He's now a marked man. Uh, it'll be interesting to see with all that pressure and all that focus on Deshaun Watson and with a weapon like Mike Williams coming back off the injury list, whether he's as good as everybody expects him to be this year. I'll throw a few more teams out there, names that might pop out. Texas A&M, you just have to mention them. They're not where they were, but Miles Garrett is a possible 1-1 that's an interesting one. You talked about Michigan, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of draftable talent. You know, having a guy like even Jordan Lewis come back. You have a a guy that can maybe go in late round. You know, first round, second round coming back. That's a big time luxury in college football. Um, Oklahoma's definitely out there. And you know, I'll throw it out there just because it's interesting. It really speaks to how well they've recruited. Ohio State. They only returned six starters. Am I right, Travis? And I still, you still see talent all over the place. It's interesting, you know, that linebacker, the pass rush. You know, a lot of it we can't even really talk about the draft yet. But, you know, you mentioned Sam Hubbard. He was a guy that really flashed as a freshman. They came to rely on it last year. I still think Ohio State, you know, what they have coming back is, is still a lot of it. And a lot of guys that got to see the field because you're controlling football games – in the same way you see it with Alabama and a guy like Tim Williams and LSU and all those guys, a lot of guys got to play. But who am I missing? Well, I was just going to say what's funny about Ohio State is as much as we've written and talked and, and almost obsessed about Michigan for obvious reasons, yeah. that back in February, Michigan had the number five recruiting class and Ohio State had the number four recruiting class, one yeah. spot ahead of them. So I just feel like this team, Todd was talking about Ohio State earlier, I just think it's a very – quietly put together team with a veteran quarterback and a lot of young talent. There's not going to be a lot of ego issues like there were potentially a year ago. Guys, I was at the Virginia Tech Ohio State game last year and, and Drew Rosenhaus is out in the parking lot glad handing parents of, of future considerations. So that kind of set the tone to me about what that team was going to be all about. And you just don't have that element anymore. So that's a team I'm really looking at uh, in that league. I, I just think so much attention has gone toward Michigan while Urban Meyer's done nothing but put together class after class that you can replace the type of double-digit draft class that you had in 2016. So I, I think that it's funny to me that Ohio State is capable at this point of flying under the radar, but that's where they are. 
And one of the more entertaining teams, and I think interesting teams, Travis and Chris, to keep an eye on is Texas A&M. A lot of pressure on Kevin Sumlin, uh, you know, new coordinator coming in, Noel Mazzoni. you got John Chavis on the defensive side of the ball, and you got a lot of talent on both sides. We talked about a guy like Miles Garrett. Deshaun Hall is another outstanding pass rusher on the other side. The secondary with Donovan Wilson, Armani Watts, and Justin Evans could be as good as anybody's. Uh, this is a team you can't sleep on. And the one thing, too, just from a draft standpoint that's interesting, guys, they have had Jake Matthews. Luke Jokel, Cedric Obwehi, and Jermaine Effetti all go in the first round. Well, that string of offensive linemen, that uh, you know, th- this list of offensive linemen I just mentioned, will continue this year with Avery Genesee, a left tackle, 6'5", 315 pounds. This is a kid that graduated in August, has his degree, came from an East Mississippi Junior College, uh, redshirted his first year at A&M. Uh, is he going to develop at 6'5", 315 into the next to keep that, that list going of few former uh, Texas A&M Aggies that become first-round draft choices along the offensive line? Mel, I think we we started the show by talking about Louisville a little bit, and I think the the defensive players that they were able to bring back those are going to be guys you're going to be talking about a lot in the coming months. Mm-hmm. Devontae Fields, who started at TCU and wound up transferring into Louisville, Keith Kelsey comes back, uh, Josh Harvey Clemens, the safety comes back, uh, tackled D'Angelo Brown comes back, so a really loaded defense for Todd Grantham to go with as we talked about, projectably, maybe the number one breakout player in college football at quarterback in Lamar Jackson. So the unfortunate distinction for Louisville to have to share a division with Florida State and Clemson, but a really talented team that's probably a top 15 type team if they can find a way to get through that schedule. You heard it. It's the sound of the chirp. That means the tweets are flying in. Hashtag first draft if you want to have yours read on the show. Guys, uh, Vaughn Neal's Live Rebel, I can't even read. Dude, you, your Twitter handle's too long. At Live Rebel Bear asks, what kind of draft prospect do y'all consider? Y'all got that? What kind of draft prospect do y'all consider Ole Miss's Chad Kelly? Mel, this was a question that was popping up a lot in December, and you're like, ah, go back to college, kid. He did. How do you keep, How do you have him stacked up now? Well, again, you want to see how it plays out in September with a lot of these kids. Right now he's third in terms of the senior quarterbacks. Davis Webb, I'm taking a chance with putting one. Mitch Leidner at Minnesota, you want to see a little bit better accuracy there. C.J. Beathard at Iowa's in that group. But I look at, at Chad Kelly with the weapons that they have to throw to, and now you have Treadwell gone, you have Cody Core gone. Other kids have to step up. We've seen flashes of brilliance from some of those guys. But with no Treadwell, no Cody Core, uh, what kind of year does Chad Kelly put together? I have right now a fourth or fifth round grade on Chad Kelly. What do you think, Trav? Because I'm wondering not just about the, the wide receiver talent gone. I'm wondering about the guys blocking. Well, I'm, I'm wondering about what's between the guys' ears. And I talked to Hugh Freeze about that this summer, and I think he's been a pleasant surprise, Kelly has, just in the way that he's handled everything. After getting booted from Clemson, having your name in the in the headlines for the wrong reasons. He's been a pretty stand-up guy for that team and, and really evolved into a leader. So if I'm an NFL team trying to check the boxes and look into his background, I'm seeing a guy who's maturing, who's figuring it out, and has turned into not just a really good player, but someone that the team can rely on. I think that's that's got to be a factor in the way that you evaluate what, he, what he's become at Ole Miss. All right, one last question, guys. Devin Day, at All Day 24, asks, how do you think Brad Kaya will continue to develop under Mark Richt? 
draft expectations. Mel, kick it off. Well, he's got a high grade. I mean, right now you're talking about, you know, after you know the top quarterbacks, and we talked about Deshaun Watson, Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State's probably right behind Kaya on the big board. He's right around 13, 15 area right now. Uh, and you think about the running backs that they have, uh, the receivers that they have, the offensive line, it should be pretty good. Uh, everything sets up for Brad Kaya having a very good year. You look at the, the key game at Georgia Tech October 1st, and after that they host Florida State, then North Carolina at home at Virginia Tech, and then Notre Dame. So schedule middle of the season, October in particular. Those five games from October 1st to October 29th uh, will impact Kaya and will certainly impact the kind of first year as the Hurricane head coach at Mark Rick puts together. What do you think, Trap? I just know he's a different guy. I mean, going back to his high school recruitment days, this is a really sharp kid, uh, a unique individual in the way that he thinks. I think he's going to interview off the charts, and that's going to be really something that's important for him. I'm a little skeptical about what his game film is going to look like this fall. I'm maybe not as sold as you, Mel, on the skill positions around him. I think the receivers have kind of underachieved. They're guys who have been around but have not really stood out, uh, had trouble staying healthy. The running back group is okay. I know Mark Rick really likes Gus Edwards as a, kind of a bigger back. Uh, Mark Walton's going to probably start, but Gus Edwards is going to be the guy. I just don't know if there's going to be enough around him to really make him shine. So I think it's going to be critical for him to go through the combine season and interview really well, and I, I think he will. I think that's where he's really going to make a jump. Well, Trav, uh, really appreciate the insight and for sticking around for the full hour. That's Trav Haney. Check out his stuff on ESPN.com. Mel Kuyper, check out his stuff all over the world. Todd McShay <laughs> was here earlier. Mel's got to get working on that next big board. We did the one right after the draft, but you you got some work to do now. A lot of phone calls, I'm guessing. A lot of tape. That's well, close. That's, yeah. Close. Maybe, maybe a couple more trips to the water. Hey, make sure this is an early kickoff for us first draft, but we're going to try to do it a couple times a month during the college football season. Hit a lot of college football, a little bit of NFL, you know, whatever Josh tells us to do. Thanks for uh, coming along on this first one, kickoff college football season. We'll be back again to do it soon. Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com slash PodCenter.